We started this book. Shane did a couple messages in April. I've got these two. We're going to finish it up at the end of June. Ken will actually be back next week, and we'll do jump back in our Bible survey for a few weeks before we finish up uh, the book of Ephesians. But I'm going to call your attention back to the summary that we talked about. We're chosen by God, having received grace and peace through Christ. That's what we've been talking about. And we are to walk faithfully in Christ Jesus. So that's what we're going to start today. We're going to start talking about these five different ways that we, that Paul is calling the Ephesians, you and I, to walk faithfully in Christ Jesus. There's uh, holiness, there's, um, well, the first one's unity, then holiness, then love, then light, and then the final one, which will be later, is walk in wisdom. That's the one that expands into husbands and wives, uh, parents and children, and that part of Ephesians. But we're going to cover four today. And we're going to look at these and see what does it mean now that we know who we are in Christ. You know, that's the thing that is why Paul set that up for three chapters. This is who you are in Christ because of his grace, because of his peace. This is who you are. Now that you know who you are, as this says, now you begin to walk faithfully in Christ Jesus. So first we're going to start with the unity, but I want you to look at this first verse. So this is the very first verse in chapter 4. And I've got three different versions of it. It says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That's the NIV. The Net Bible says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live worthily of the calling with which you have been called. So it's a little different. Of the calling with which you have been called. And then I love the NASB. It says, Therefore, I... Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And here's the thing. This is why I'm throwing these different versions up there. One, this is why we're talking about this idea of walking, walking in unity, walking in holiness and love and light and wisdom. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Look what it says in the Net Bible Notes. The calling refers to the Holy Spirit's prompting that calls them to believe. So first, the people were responding to the gospel, but it was prompted by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit calls them to believe. And then it says, the author is thus urging his readers to live a life that conforms to their saved status before God. This is so important. Walk worthy in the calling of which you have been called. Conform to their saved status before God. We are in Christ. Paul's already established that. If you're a believer, if you've responded to the gospel, you are in Christ. And because you're in Christ, now as we talk about walking in Him, we're talking about conforming to your already given status. You're already a child of God. You're a daughter or a son of the King. And now you are being conformed into that. And the reason I say that is that this message could very easily be very condemning. It could sound like one of those messages where you walk away and you go, ah, I can't do all that. I'm a no good, two-bit, four-flusher. I can't, I can't be a good Christian. I can't be good. But this is not what this is about. This is a not about do better, do right, be good, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That is not the Christian life. And the truth is, sometimes we make it out to be that way. We make it out to be all about us and not about what God has already done in us. 
And that's how I want to frame this this morning, because that is so important for us to understand that. That it's not about be better, do good. You're going to see lists of of things that are sinful, and then he's going to contrast that with things that he's calling us to. But remember that it's about being conformed to the status that we already have in God. And that we do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's fitting that today is the first day of Pentecost. As we remember as a church that we were given the Holy Spirit, that we were indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And that the only way for us to truly go out and represent Christ in this world is through the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way you and I are going to be changed is through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it. We cannot, on our own merit, be good enough, do enough to change our own hearts and our own own minds. That only happens through the power of the Spirit. And we are walking in a manner worthy of who we already are. So right off the bat, I want you to frame it that way. And I want you to be thinking, okay, this is not about, I've got to add a bunch of stuff to my, my life and my list and be better. No, it's about becoming who you already are. Being the person God has called you to be. And that's what we're going to talk through as we look at these different sections this morning. So this first one is about unity. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble, gentle. And patient, bearing with one another in love. So we're talking about unity here. It's fitting that Paul went to unity right after talking about how we were built together, both Jew and Gentile from last week, and being built up to be the holy temple of the Lord. Look what he says. He says, make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. To keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Of peace, So he's calling us to continue to walk in this manner that keeps us unified. And we are unified because of the things that we are called to. He lists seven things. And we see the Trinity here. One body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope, one Lord, Jesus Christ, and one faith, and one baptism. And one God and Father who's over all and through all and in all. So we see this relationship that is formed with ourselves and the triune God. We are being called into that. And he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, Paul's going to continue, and he's going to talk about what does it look like practically to live or to walk in this unity. And here's what he says. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So we're going to see this idea of gifts, but those gifts are given by grace. And they are given to each one of us uniquely and individually. And it it goes on, it says, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and he gave gifts to his people. He gave gifts to his people individually. He apportioned the grace and the different gifts to each one of you who is a member of of the body. So he goes on as he's talking to Ephesians, he says, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And as you read through this, different commentators talk about different things, but the most likely thing, this is talking about the incarnation, that when he ascended to earth in the incarnation, and then as he conquered sin and death, 
and he resurrected and he went and he ascended back to be set at the right hand of the Father. He gave gifts to his church. He gave gifts to the people that make up the church, the body of believers. And look at this list as it starts. It says, so Christ himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, teachers. Why did he do that? To equip his body for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Okay, first, let's look at, at, at some gifts. These are, this is not the only list of gifts, by the way, in the Bible. There's other gifts. If you go to uh, 1 Corinthians, Romans, there's other places where you see that there are gifts given to the body. Helps, service, healing, tongues, prophecy, leadership, administration, uh, there, uh, hospitality. There's all these. There's a big list. I mean, there's multiple lists everywhere. So this isn't exhaustive. So I don't want us to get caught up in, in these things because here's what I think happens a lot of times. As believers, we tend to look around and we tend to want someone else's gift. You know, we go, God, that, that guy's really good at that. I wish I was that way. Or man, look at that. Look at that woman over there. She can do this and God, I can't do it. You know, we tend to have this gift envy, but that's not what God is, wants us to do. God is saying, I have given each one of you an individual gift. And through that gift, you have been called to use that gift for the sake of the body. And that's what creates unity, is that we use our gift for the sake of the body. And this is not about ourselves. You know, a lot of times we want to make the gift about ourselves and not about the body. But that's what he's calling us to. He's saying, use what I've given you for the sake of building up the body until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. It's about maturing in Christ. It's about using those things to serve one another and mature in Christ. And I'll tell you this too. When you're thinking about your gift, and some of you may be sitting there thinking, I don't, I don't know what my gift is. I'd love to talk to you about that. Talk to one of the pastors. Talk to home church leaders. Get together with people and, and, and pray and talk through this. Because God has given you a unique gift. If you're a believer, you're empowered by the Spirit to serve the body. But I also think that when you're serving in your gift, it is just natural. It is not something that you have to try to force to happen and conjure up a, you know, boy, I just want to be good at this, and you force it. And you, that's not how gifts work. If you're gifted at something, I mean, it's like an athlete. You see an athlete who's gifted at running? It's flawless. I mean, they just run. Looks like they're floating on air because they're gifted at it. Now, if I go out there and try to do that, you're going to go, oh, he's not a sprinter, you know, or a long-distance guy. But when someone is gifted at something and you're watching them, it's obvious. And it's the same thing with the body of Christ. There are people who have gifts, and a lot of you probably go, man, I, I know that. And some of you may even have experienced it yourself. You go, man, when I'm, when I'm in this space and God's really using me, Gosh, it just feels so good. And you're making an impact and you don't even realize it. I mean, I, I know some people, there was a guy here at first service. I mean, he, he's a servant. I mean, he has a servant's heart. And he's one of those guys that when something needs to be done, it just happens. He does it. He's gone. You don't even know what happened. You don't know who did it. But that's just because that's who he is. He's gifted to serve other people and to serve the body. 
And so God is, I love that where it says grace has been given as Christ's portion. God has given everybody. And none of us, if you're a believer, it's not like you don't have a gift and everybody else does. I promise you, you have a gift. You have a gift that God has given you specifically. And that's what he's talking about in these verses. That for us to be unified as a body of Christ, for us to be unified as the church, to walk in unity, he says, use the things that I gave you. Use those things by the power of the Holy Spirit, not in your own strength. Remember what we talked about at the very beginning, but through the power of the Spirit, you use those things to build up and to edify the body. And he goes on, he talks about, he says, you do this so that you're not tossed back and forth like infants because we're going for maturity. We're trying to be built up as the body. And he says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, from the whole body joined together, held together. We talked about last week that we are held together Every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And here's another thing about working in your gifts, operating in the gifts that God has given you, is that it builds up and it edifies the body. It doesn't point to yourself. If you're serving in your gift, it is not going, hey, look at me, everybody look here. Wow, watch me do this. No, God is receiving the glory. The church is being built up. And you're not even in the equation when God is really working in and through you with the gift that he has given you. And I love what it says here, that it builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And we all have to do that. See, that's the way unity works. That's the way the body of Christ works, is that we are all serving in our gifts. There are people that stand up here and sing. They are serving in their gift. They have a gift to give and a gift to share with the body, to build up the body, to give us the opportunity to have our hearts and our minds prepared to worship, to hear from the word. They have a gift. Not everybody's gifted that way. Many of us are gifted with behind the scenes things. We're gifted to encourage, to help, to be hospitable, to listen, to pray for people. I mean, there's all these array of gifts, but every one of them is used for the same thing when you're really working within your gift, and that's to build up the body of Christ. But we all have to do that. If only half of us are serving in our gifts and the other half are wondering what their gift is or not serving in their gift or looking around at everybody else, that's not how the body works. We all want to be in our giftedness and working and serving. And here's another thing about gifts. If you're, if you're not working in your gift, it'll be obvious to other people around you. There may be others that say, you know, that's, that may not be your gift. In love, speak the truth in love. That may not be your thing, you know. And hopefully we'll be honest with each other and we'll help each other know where God has called us. Now, a lot of times it's obvious to ourselves when you try saying, you know, okay, that's not me. But I love, speak the truth in love. Let's grow. Let's be mature. Let's each do our part and let's serve in the way that God has called us. Through Christ's peace, we can work together in our gifts to build up his body. And remember, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
I know I'm going to say that a lot this morning, but I really want us to listen and understand that this is not about us working harder or being better. We've responded to the gospel. By grace, we have been saved through faith. And we've been given gifts, and let's use those gifts to build up the body. He goes on in this next session, he talks about walking in holiness. So we've moved through unity and and understanding what it looks like to use our gifts to build up the body, to be unified together. Now he's going to talk about walking in holiness. And he goes through this list. Let me read that first. So I'll tell you this, insist on it. Don't live like the Gentiles used to. So he's, he's back to talking to them mainly in Ephesians. He's talking to the Gentiles. Don't live like you used to. And he runs through this list. All this stuff, darkened heart, separated from God, they've lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality, indulged in every kind of impurity, they're full of greed. So he runs through this thing going, this is how you used to be. This is how the Gentiles used to be. This is how you used to live. But he says, but that's not the life you learned when you heard about Christ, when you were taught in him in accordance with the truth of Jesus. So he's going to tell them, he says, that's your former way of life. Here's what you need to do. Put off the old, which is being corrupted. Put on the new, where you're created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Put off the old self and put on the new self. This is how you used to live. Now I'm going to talk about how I'm calling you to live now in the truth of Jesus Christ. And I love how he talks about in the attitudes of your minds. It makes you think of Romans where it says, be transformed. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. It's so important. It starts here and it filters to our hearts. And a guy came up to me after first service and says, and then it goes to your hands. And you work it out and you walk it out in life. Put off the old, put on the new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 Therefore, anyone who's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That's the truth that we're living in when we know that we're believers. When we know we are in Christ, we put off the old and we put on the new through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on, and this is what he talks about. There's five different things that he talks about. First thing, he says, hey, put off falsehood, but speak truthfully to your neighbor. Why? Because we're all members of one body. So he talks about being honest and truthful in your speech to those around you. And he says, in your anger, do not sin. And I like where he he knows that we're going to get angry. But he says, in your anger, do not sin. He's not saying anger is sin. He said, but it can become sin. In your anger, do not sin. I mean, think about it. When you're connected with a bunch of people like this in a community, we're going to get frustrated and maybe even angry. But he says, don't let it become sin. Don't let the sun go down on you before you deal with that. Because you don't want to give the devil a foothold. If you leave a crack, you leave that door open just a little bit, man, the evil one's going to slip in and wreak havoc. So he says, don't do that. Speak truthful with your neighbors. Deal with your anger. Deal with those hot emotions that are going on. Because you don't want to give the devil a foothold. And then the third thing he says, if anybody's stealing, don't let them steal any longer. They need to work. They need to work hard, do something useful with their hands. Why? So they can share with others in needs. What do you notice about all these things? What do you notice about all these things? They're not necessarily individual things that he said. Everything has to do with community. Everything has to do with the body of Christ. 
Speak truthful to your neighbors because you're, you're working out in relationship what's going on. Among all of us, be, be truthful, be honest. Because we're all a part of this one body. Deal with your anger properly. And other things that are going on in your life when it is involved in community so that the devil doesn't get a foothold and there's not divisiveness and division. And then work. Why? So you can make sure you provide for yourself and care for the needs of others. I mean, the early church, that's what they did. They sold everything they had. And they took care of everybody. And I'll tell you, we do that as a body. Just as a little side note. You guys take care of each other really well. But we've got to continue to do that. We've got to encourage everybody to do that. And if you're somebody that you don't feel like you do that or you, you don't work hard, and this is an interesting thing where it says don't steal. I mean, there's, there's ways to steal that's not just taking something. I mean, being lazy, not being committed to your whatever God's called you to and working hard, taking care of what you need to take care of. I mean, that's, that's ways of, not, of stealing, of not really working. But God says, no, I've given you the ability to work and doing something useful so that you can share with others. So there's three things. There's two more. He says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But what? What is helpful for building up others according to their needs that, they, that it may benefit those who listen and you won't grieve the Holy Spirit. This is huge when you talk about the body of Christ. When you're talking about a group of people who are trying to live life together in unity, walk together in unity, is that you, you don't talk trash and you don't throw out that stuff, once again, that causes division and hurt feelings. No, you use what's helpful for building each other up. You only say the things that are going to build one another up, encourage one another, so that we can all reach maturity in Christ. And through that, you won't grieve the Holy Spirit. And then this fifth one, it says, and get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, all those things, malice. But he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So he reminds us that we've been forgiven, so why wouldn't we forgive others? And be reconciled one to another. It's like we talked about earlier in, in this book, that we've already been reconciled to God and to one another, but we've got to continue to walk that out. Continue to walk into our already saved status before God. By speaking truthfully, by dealing with things properly so we don't leave the door open for Satan. By being hard workers, sharing with one another, caring for each other, the needs of each other. Building each other up with helpful words. And then finally, living in such a way that we're compassionate to one another, that we forgive each other. This is walking in holiness. And I love that it all has to do with the body. It's not about just your individual little lives or my individual little life where I'm just trying to be better or do good. No, it's about living as a body, living as a family. We are in Christ. Now let's walk it out and let's live in unity and let's live in holiness. Through Christ's righteousness, we can be holy as God is holy. It's kind of hard to think about being holy, right? I, don't, I mean, that's a, just as you say that, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm not, probably not going to ever be holy until I go to be with the Lord. And that's true. We will not be glorified until we are with God. But we are in the process of being sanctified. 
And through his righteousness, through his righteousness, we can be transformed as we are being molded and conformed into his image. And we can be holy as he is holy, as he is calling us to that. This next one is walk in love. As Paul continues, he says this, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So if you want to be like God, you want to be holy like God is holy, he says, hey, then live like Christ. Be like Christ if you want to follow my example. Live like Jesus, who was sacrificial, who gave his life for the sake of others, who is the epitome of love. You want to live like that? You want to be like me? Then live like Christ. Walk in that love. And listen to what he says. This is interesting. So he goes on, he says, but among you, there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are all out of place. So as he's talking about this, and I was reading commentators, this all turns a lot to this idea of sexual immorality and the way that we have perverted love in our world. The way that we have taken what God meant for good and for holy and for righteous reasons, and we've perverted it. I was watching a video the other day, and, and somebody on the video said, well, yeah, but love is love. And I, I, I thought, you know, no, love is love. Is love. That's, God is love. That's what the Scripture says. God is love. We have perverted love. And even that part where it says... Sexual immorality, impurity, or greed. You think about it, someone who's greedy in this realm. Someone who's selfish, who takes advantage of others for their own gain. Who's only concerned about themselves and their own needs. I mean, that's what we've done to love. We've perverted it. And we've made it all about us. It's all about us and not about truly loving others and being sacrificial. And I love the way he talks about how to combat this he says but rather with thanksgiving because when you are thankful for God you see people differently when you are thankful for the life God gave you you look at others differently your brothers and your sisters in Christ when you are thankful from the depths of which God has brought you out of then you see people differently not with a judgmental heart but with a heart like God where you go Oh my gosh, I was the same way. I want to pray for them. I want to love them in the way Christ gave himself as a sacrifice. We can do the same thing through the power of God, through the power of the Spirit. But we have to live a life that is thankful for how God designed things to work so that we do not pervert love but that we actually live it out. I think about John where he says, no greater love than this than one who lays down his life for his friends. Is that the kind of love we have? Is that the, the way that we want to walk and love and follow God's example? Because he loves us first and he sacrificed for us and I think we can turn around 
and love others because of that. Through his sacrifice, we can follow his example. And we can love those around us. That is such a huge part of living in community. Is allowing love to be the biggest piece of what we show to one another. I mean, it talks about that. You you will know that they are my disciples by their love for one another. So let's walk in unity. Let's walk in holiness. Let's walk in love. And this final one is walk in light. Here's what he says. He says, therefore, do not be partners with them. He's talking about that list before. The Gentiles in their evil ways says, for once you were in darkness, but now you are in Now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And look what the children of light, the description is, for the fruit of that. It consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. And it says, find out what pleases the Lord. Don't anything to do with all this fruitless deeds of darkness. But in everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. And here's the thing about light. You think about just the physical properties of light in general. I mean, it drives out darkness, doesn't it? There's no darkness when there is light. And I think when I think about that, first I think about our own lives. Jesus is is the light. He's the light of the world. But when I think about light, I think about first and foremost, it exposes the darkness in our own lives. It shows us the places in the little nooks and crannies of our heart that we go, gosh, that, thank you, Lord, for opening that up and shedding light on that. That's the the part where it talks about exposing and things become visible. And as those things become visible, then we know this is where God, we need to trust God and allow him to change us day by day by day. And then also it says, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. Because light drives out darkness. Darkness cannot overcome the light. First chapter of John. It's talking about Jesus. The incarnation says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it. The darkness has not overcome it. It can't. Because of what Christ did when he conquered sin and death and rose again, it's over. The light will drive out the darkness. And this is what he's calling us to. To allow things to be exposed in our life and allow things to be illuminated in the world around us. And finally, out of Isaiah, it says, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead. And then Paul actually put a little twist on it. He said, And Christ will shine on you. He wants us to walk in light. And all of this feeds together into this idea of being the body of Christ, being built up into unity and walking in this holiness and walking in love and loving one another and finally walking in light. And just as Christ pleases the Father, illuminates everything, allow him to shine on and through your life. And as I go back and and think about this section that Paul is talking about. It says, we are made alive in Christ. We know that. We are built together in Christ. We talked about that last week. And now we can live like Christ. Now we can live like Christ. But remember where we started. 
Because I think it's so important that this doesn't come as condemnation, but if it's conviction, that's fine. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit, and that's a good thing. Condemnation is from the evil one, and that's a bad thing. So I don't want this to be a message of condemnation where you go, I just can't do it. It may be a message of conviction where it says, I can, I can live like this. Why? Because I'm living into, I'm walking into the already saved state and status that I am in God. Because I'm his. I love that on the end of the ocean song, talked about being his, he's mine and we are his. Because we are in Christ, saved through grace, because we've been reconciled back to God and reconciled to one another, we can live like this. We can live in unity. We can live in holiness. We can walk in love toward one another and the world, and we can walk in light. But we can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can only do it when we realize that we're already His. And we're just being conformed over and over and over into who He wants us to be. And then we can continue living in that. And we're going to finish this out at the end of June where we'll talk about walking in wisdom and then the last chapter about putting on the armor of God so that we can wrap this book up and really see what does it look like to live as the body of Christ? What does it look like to truly be believers as our expression of a local community so that we can continue to grow and mature and be built up as his body? There's some next steps in your bulletin. You'll pull that out. First one says, take an inventory of how you use your gifts for the body. How has God gifted you? Think about this. Spend some time this week thinking about how has God gifted you? What has he done in your life uniquely that allows you to edify and build up others in the body? And I'm serious. When I say, come talk to one of the pastors. If you go, I'm really struggling with that. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I do things in the church, but I don't know really what I'm gifted at. Come talk to us. Share with a friend where you need to trust the Spirit to help you put off the old and put on the new. And I say share with a friend because we, we have to do this in community. This is not something where we sit alone by ourselves and try to figure this stuff out. Sit with other people. Sit with your home church. Sit with a group of people in Bible study. Whether it's a group of men or a group of ladies, but talk about where do I need to trust more? Where am, I, where am I not putting off the old and putting on the new because I'm not trusting the Spirit enough in my life? And finally, pray for an opportunity this week to love like Christ. Pray for an opportunity. Maybe it's to love someone in, in this room. Maybe it's to love someone in your family. You may be with people this weekend and tomorrow. Maybe it's to love someone in the world that doesn't know Christ. But pray for an opportunity. I promise you, pray for it, God will give it to you. Pray for an opportunity to truly walk in the way that he wants us to walk. Live the way that he wants us to live. And he will provide those opportunities to grow us and to build us as a unified body. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you. And um, Lord, I just praise you for allowing us to be here this morning to worship together. Um, 
spend time in prayer, Lord, to see your living word and the words and the truths that you have for us, Lord. Thank you for speaking through your spirit this morning. Father, I pray that you would continue to to change us, Lord, that we would not come week after week and not be changed. But, Father, we would truly delve into your word, Lord, in community, and we would allow it to change us. Lord, continue to grow us, continue to convict us of the areas, Lord, that we need to lean into you. But, Lord, help us to remember the truth, Lord, that this is only done through the power of your Spirit. This is only done because of who we are. We're yours. We're your children. We are your sons and daughters. Father, help us through your power to live the lives that you want us to live as a unified body. We love you, and we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.